We're at Genesis chapter 12 as we're going through our series in um, the now what we are calling characters, right? Through different characters of the Bible. And it's really exciting to be able to go through these different characters of the Bible. And I heard someone praying even earlier, if, if God did it with them, He can also do it with me. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? If God did it with them, those people that we're studying, those key figures and scriptures that we're going to be able to talk about today, if God did it with them, He can also do it with you. And today we're going to look at the life of Abraham. Abraham, it's known, or his life is known as a father or the father of many nations. And I've titled today's message because when we think about Abraham, we think about faith. I've titled today's message, Trust and Obey. And if you like taking notes, please jot that down, Trust and Obey, because his life is a life filled with trust. His life is a life filled with obedience. And I, and I want you to know today that, that you cannot say that you trust God, but you don't obey Him. That doesn't exist. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't correlate. That doesn't line up. We can't say, I trust God. I have my faith in God. However, there is no obedience. If there's no obedience, there's also no trust. So when we say we trust God, it must always be followed with obedience. And the reason why Abraham and why God used Abraham the way He used Abraham was because Abraham believed that God can do what He said He would. Has God ever promised you something in Scripture and maybe you said you started to doubt it a little bit? Or maybe you, you forgot about it. You put that in the back burner. You didn't really take it as serious as God intended it for you to take. And it was a promise for your life. Well, Abraham believed that God could do what he said he would do. Therefore, God used Abraham's life. And used it. And Abraham was defined by one thing, his faith. He believed. And what is faith, you would ask yourself? Hebrews 11 tells us that, that faith is really the substance of things that we hope for, but the evidence of things that we can't see. It's, it's really faith is seeing the invisible while waiting for the impossible. Have you ever tried to see something? You don't know if this is going to really happen or not. It's, Lord, I have faith. I cannot see it right now, but I believe that you can do it. That is faith. Well, Abraham lived an entire life knowing that I cannot see it, but I believe that God is in control. And I tell you, before we even go into the message today, that faith is demonstrated most. Faith is demonstrated most in your obedience and in your commitment. You want to see if you're demonstrating faith, you're taking steps of faith. How does your obedience look today? And how does our commitment look? Faith is demonstrated most in obedience and faith is demonstrated most in commitment. What we are going to learn today throughout the life of Abraham, as we highlight different points, is that his life was about long obedience. Long obedience in the same direction. You want God to use you? You need some long obedience. You want to obey God for a very long time in the very same direction. Obedience in consistency put together is faith in action. A lot of times we want to come and say, Lord, we want to use your life, but we want you to use our life. And we ask the Lord, Lord, use our life, but there's no long obedience. There's very short obedience. And then very soon we follow ourselves to the right or to the left, or, or we're going in one direction or going to another direction. Well, Abraham demonstrated long obedience, very long obedience, 
in the same direction. Obedience and commitment always demonstrates steps of faith. Now in Genesis 12, we open up today, verse 1, and we're going to see three major things in the life of Abraham, and I'm going to give them to you right now. Number one is that he takes steps of faith. He takes steps out in faith, steps out in faith. He inherits, also number two, by faith. And number three, he is tested in faith. Today, maybe you are praying about taking a step out in faith. Maybe you're waiting to inherit a promise by faith. Or now you're being tested in your faith. And then there are three different seasons that you're going to see Abraham be a part of. He's highlighted, he's underlined when it comes to his faith. But first he steps out in faith, then he inherits by faith, and then he's also tested in faith. It says Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 now. Now the Lord, and if you like taking notes, there the Lord, we see the name of the Lord. The first time it's introduced to us when we talk about Abraham is the Lord, and this is a very common name that we know of the Lord, the Lord Yahweh. His name there is Yahweh. The Lord Yahweh had said to Abram. Notice that it doesn't say Abraham. It says Abram. Because the Lord changed his name later on. But what does the Lord say to Abram as Abram is going to take steps out in faith as the Lord Yahweh is speaking to him? Notice this. That it opens up by the Lord saying it wasn't, it wasn't his mom said, or his church said, or his, or, or his pastor said. It was the Lord said. This is exactly what Abraham, we see, or Abram, we see in his life. And what does the Lord say? The Lord says, get out. Get out of your country, number one. Get out from your family, number two. And get out from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Now imagine the Lord tells you, I want you to get out of your country. I want you to get out of, number two, your family. And I want you to get out of your father's house. What would you think today? Lord, are you seriously asking me to do all of that all at once? That is insane. Now he tells him, I want you to get out. I want you to trust me. And, and he tells him this, and I will show you where I'm taking you. I, I love this because the Lord always does this. He didn't say, I'm telling you where I'm taking you. I'm going to show you after you get out. Has the Lord ever done that to you? Maybe He's leading us to take steps of faith. And God has a reputation of not showing you where you're going until you first take those steps out. And sometimes you're asking, Lord, give me some direction, God. Well, what is going to happen after I take this step out? What's it? We want to know. But the Lord says, no, I want you to just get out. I'm not telling you where. I'm not telling you how. I'm not going to tell you when. Get out and after I will show you. This is learning to trust the Lord. This is amazing here. And God always does this. He doesn't give you all the details up front. You know what we want? We want all the details. All right, Lord, give me the details. I, I want to know the details. Right, give me the plan, A through Z, an overview. I want all the details. No, just because God doesn't give you all the details up front doesn't mean He's not in the details. He's in all the details. But he wants you to trust him and take that step out. You see, now he's saying, I want you to get out of your family. I want you to get out of your country. I want you to get out of your father's house. Get out. You know what Abraham's tested? Are you scared of change? Because steps of faith require change. One of the most things that we hate being a part of is change. But here he's asking them, I want you to be ready to commit regardless 
of the personal change or the comfort that you're going to have to leave. Oh, if it requires personal change, God, I don't want to step out in faith. It requires comfort, Lord, I don't want to go. But he tells Abraham, Abraham, I, I want you to give up personal change. Abraham, I want you to give up comfort. I want you to give up security. Think about this. I want you to cut family ties. Get out of your father's house. I want you to cut family ties. And in order to take steps of faith, we must be able to well, we must be willing to welcome change. You want to take steps of faith, you must be willing to welcome change. See, the reason sometimes we don't want to take steps of faith is because we don't want to welcome change. We want to say, Lord, I want to keep it the same as it's always been. But steps of faith require that you're willing to welcome change in your life. We had never seen the Lord do anything in our ministry. We've never seen nothing, Lord, the Lord do nothing in our life. We weren't ready for change. I'll tell you, the, the moment that I started to find that my wife was all in to try to say, you know what, let's give away everything in our living room so we can allow people to come into our house so we can take steps of faith, I knew that God was up to something. I remember one time coming home and seeing our sofa in the bed of my brother's truck. And I said, what is going on in that house right now? But guess what? Change was happening. And every time we make more room and we allow change to happen, we're ready for steps of faith. Now here, he's saying in verse 2, he already told him in verse 1, I will show you. Now I want you to circle, I will show you. Now verse 2, I will make you. I will show you and then I will make you. This is all part of God's plan. I will show you. I will make you. Steps of faith are always led by God. They're not led by you. The Lord here is leading Abram. He's saying, I'm going to show you. Verse 2, I'm going to make you a great nation when you step out. And what does he also say in verse 2? I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. Circle that one or two. Again, please, church. I will show you. I will make you. I will bless you. I will show you. I will make you. I will bless you. These are the promises of God early on in Abram's life. Think about that. God wants to show you. God wants to make something out of you, and He wants to bless you as you take steps of faith out. Every time I take a step of faith, I, I go to this verse specifically. Because I know, Lord, if you're leading me, that means you're going to show me. If you're leading me, that means you're going to make something out of this. If you're leading me, you're, that means you're going to bless it. So yes, I'm willing to go. And look what he says here as he's willing to go. I will make you a great, na a great nation, and, I'll, and you shall be a blessing. Now, steps of faith, this is amazing when it comes to steps of faith. In steps of faith, not only will God bless you, but also God will make you a blessing. Do you, do you, do you know, did, did you hear that? I want you to really understand that. Not only will God bless you, but also you will be a blessing to others. He's saying you will be blessed and you will also be a blessing. Ah, that, I mean, when I read that, does it not encourage you and me to take steps of faith? You will be blessed and you will be a blessing. That is part of God's plan, that you be blessed when you take a step of faith. And that you also be a blessing when you take a step of faith. I will make you a great name. But think about this. It's all about I will. I will make. I will bless. I, I, I will show you. It's all future tense. Why? Because he's, he's telling Abram, trust me today for what I'm going to do with you tomorrow. Well, if God came up to you today and said, you know what, I want you to trust me today 
with what I'm, t- I'm telling you to just get out of your fa- father's house, country, and, and I want you to get out also uh, of not only your father's house, your, uh, your country, but also from your family. I want you to get out. I want you to trust me today for what I have for you tomorrow. And he says in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. Look at this irrevocable promise. This promise that when God promises something, He doesn't take it away. It says, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in all your families, the earth shall be blessed. From Abram, all the Jewish families, the 12 tribes of Israel, would come out of, and the Lord would pick the Messiah from the nation of Israel. He was separating now a Jewish now man to be a Jewish nation, to be 12 tribes, to become a Jewish nation, so that from that Jewish little nation that started from one man, the Lord would take out and pick the Messiah from there. And it starts with Abram, a man that had faith. And in all the Jewish families of the earth would be faith. Now, understand what happens here into verse 4. Because Abram now responds. When God tells you to get out, when God tells you to step out, it's time for you. Now it's up to you. Will you respond? Will you actually take that step of faith and respond to that promise? There's a big promise there. I will make you, I will show you, I will bless you. Those who want to come against you, I will come against them. And those who bless you, I will bless them again. God is behind the step of faith. But now it's up to Him to respond to that promise that God had offered Abram. God, He had this this, this promise on the table. Are you going to leave that promise on the table? How many unclaimed promises have you left on the table because you decided, I am too scared of change? I'm not going to do it. But let me tell you this. When it comes to Abram right here, we see that faith begins where excuses end. Because a lot of times the Lord tells us, do this. And we're saying, no, I don't want to do that. Because we have many excuses as to why we should not do that. But faith always begins where excuses end. And discipleship always looks like a life without excuses. Because here it responds in verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him. Now, Abram didn't say, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to study this. Let's see what it really means with my wife. And we're going to find out if God really said to get out. <laughs> he didn't say, you know what, let me, let me actually go and try to memorize this, this whole get out thing. Let me go and try to see, you know, if I can really, really understand what the Lord said in the original context, what it means to get out. No, he didn't say that. All right, I know the Lord said this. So guess what it's time? To obey. Trust and obey. You see here? So Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him. So Abram departed. Why did he depart? Because he had one single motivation. One single steps of faith. I'll tell you this, have to be backed up by one single motivation. And I want to ask you today, what motivates you when it comes to the different decisions that you make in life? What motivates you? We're going to find out his single motivation on why Abram actually did what God said to do. So Abram departed. And and think about when he departed. And Lot went with him, his brother-in-law. And Abram... And I want you to, this, this really is going to speak to and minister to you because it ministered to me. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from now Haran. Now Abram was set in his way. He was 75 years old. And the Lord told him, get out of your country, get out of your father's house, and get out of your family. At 75 years of age, he was still flexible. He was still bendable. He was still willing to change. 
he was still willing to adapt. Why? Because there was nothing in his life that God would have asked him to do that he would say, Lord, no, that's too much to ask me. At 75 years of age, he said, all right, I'll do it. I'll leave my family, I'll leave my country, I'll leave my father's house. Because the only motivation that he had was his obedience to the promises of God. When obedience motivates you, no matter what God calls you to do, you'll do it. Because you're motivated by obedience. You want to know why some, what some of us are motivated by? Some of us are motivated by comfort. Some of us are motivated by safety, motivated by finances, motivated by different things in life that really don't honor God. Abram was saying, I'm motivated by obedience, and that's my single motivation. So when you're motivated by obedience, does it not make you want to step out in faith? I'm telling you, it will make you step out in faith. Not only this, you see how bad he wants to be used by God. How bad do you want to be used by God today? How bad do you want to be used by God? Do you want to be used by God that bad? That whatever God says you're going to do, that you're hearing His voice, that you know Him personally, and when He says go, or when He says stay, you do what He says. You know what the problem is today? Is that we want to go when He says stay, and we want to stay when He says go. It's about hearing the voice of God. Now let's look at verse 6. For, then Abram took, verse 5, but Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions. And they had gathered and the people. They had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan, and Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem, as far as the Tamarath tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Now you see that there was, he passed as far as he passed through different territories. Abram, he's going, what is he doing? He's covering more space. He's covering more territory. What does steps of faith do for you? Steps of faith gives the Lord more room to use your life. You took that step of faith, the Lord's saying, all right, thank you so much. You're giving me more space to use you now. You took a step of faith, you're giving me more room to use you now. Because your faith gives God more space, more room to use your life. I, I, you know what I love about Abram right here that we're going to see? That he was more committed to God than he was committed to anything else in life. And that's why God used him. He was saying, I'm more committed to God than I'm committed to my country, than I'm committed to my family, than I'm committed to my father's house. Because he said, I'm willing to go. It's so sad you hear the church saying, you know, I want God to use me, but there's no commitment to Him. The Lord, God and, and Jesus, He's my Savior and He's my Lord. But if He's your Lord, how come you never give Him any time? If He's your Lord, how come you never show any commitment? How come when He says go, you rather stay? How come there's no obedience? You see, Abram was never too committed in any area of his life. He was never too committed to that area of his life where God would say, go. And he said, no, I'm not going because I'm too committed here. I see in today's church now that people are not committed to God as we can be and as we should be. Because we're distracted with all these outside commands and we're saying, I can't go, I can't serve, I can't make it, I, I, I can't do that day. And, and we start to say, I'm committed in so many other things, but our commitment to God, how does that look now? Whatever is left over, I'll commit to God. You call that commitment to God? Is that really following Jesus? Whatever's left over, I'll commit to That's not commitment. That's you giving Him your leftovers. 
Now look, let's read here from verse 7 and 9 because the Lord appeared to Abram and said, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants I will give this land. He appeared to him for the very first time here. First he spoke to him, then appeared, and I will give this land. And there, will, there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. He built an altar. You know what the altar what means when he built an altar? It, it means that he built a place for worship. He built a place. For, I think that we have to be very important. We have to make it very important in our lives to build an altar every day of worship. Lord, you took me to this workplace. I'm going to build an altar right here where you took me. I'm going to build an altar of worship there. You took me to that job, I'm going to build an altar right here in front of everyone. I'm going to build an altar. You know what the altar says when you start to build an altar for the Lord at work, at home, in your house? Look what he does when he builds that altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mount of East Bethel, and he pitched his tent to Bethel on the west of Ai, on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord at Bethel. And he built an altar there as well. So Abram journeyed going still toward the south. But when he built an altar, you know what he did? He called on the name of the Lord at that altar. Building an altar, you know what that means? It means that you call on the name of God. You proclaim. You preach. You worship. You respond to the promises of God because you understand, God took me here so I can build this altar for Him so I can, can proclaim His name. I can call on His name. At work, we're going to build this altar. I am personally going to do that. I'm committed to it so I can proclaim His name. Now in chapter 15, from verse 1 to verse 6, you see really quickly, let's turn there, that the Lord reminds him, He reminds Abram what He's going to do for his life. That He would give him a son. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you an inheritance. I'm going to give you promises. And Abram is scared. How is God going to do this if I'm 75 years old? At the time now, He is much older now. The Lord appears to him and He still does not have children. How is God going to bless him and multiply him? And God had given you a promise, and you say, Lord, how are you going to do it? I don't have that person. I don't have the resources. I don't have that job. I don't have those, the finances. And you told me that you wanted me to step out. Well, the Lord always allows you to step out without the resources so you can trust Him, and then He equips you in the process. Look what it, ta it talks about here in Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram now in a vision. This is amazing because the Lord always speaks to us in different ways. First the Lord appeared to him, then he spoke to him, and now it's in a vision. This talks to us about how God speaks in various times, in various ways. The Bible says that he speaks in various times, in various ways. You know what it says? That God doesn't always speak the same way every single time. God will speak different ways at different times. And the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Now the Lord here, the first time we see the Lord with Abram in chapter 12, the Lord Yahweh. Now here in chapter 15, it was the Lord Adonai. The Lord Adonai. If you love taking notes in your Bible, I would write that word down. The Lord, Ad that's another name for the Lord. And what does he tell him, the Lord Adonai now? Do not be afraid. I am your shield. I'm your protection and your exceedingly great reward. I remember one time reading this when I came out of college and I didn't have all the answers in life. And I was like, you're surprisingly right at that age. <laughs> and I uh, was asking the Lord, Lord, what is it that you have to, you're going to do in my life? How can I, everything's going good for that person over there and that person over there? And it looks like I'm stuck. It looks like I'm in a rut. It looks like no doors are opening for me. Well, Lord, what is it that you're going to do? And the Lord took me to this verse and said, don't, don't worry about how much you have. I'm your exceedingly great reward. 
And today, maybe he wants to tell you that maybe you don't have what you think you should have, but let me be your exceedingly great reward. What happens when the Lord is your exceedingly great reward? He was telling Abram, I am the greatest thing in all of your life. The greatest thing in all of your life is your relationship with God. You might say, I don't have that possession. I don't have that thing. I'm at, not at that place. I'm not at this season. But the Lord is saying, I'm your exceedingly great reward without a son. I'm your exceedingly great reward without the finance. I'm your exceedingly great reward without the relationship. I'm your exceedingly great reward without the promotion. I am still your exceedingly great reward. Because the greatest thing in your life is your relationship with God. And he was reminding them of this. Now verse three, 2 and 3, And Abram said to the Lord God, What shall you give me? See, I go childless to the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. said, I have one of the servants in my house. Is he's the one that's going to inherit everything, a servant? He had had a servant at this time. Abraham is saying, and the Lord is saying, no, it's not going to be the servant. I told you, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one is born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, look what the word of the Lord says this. This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. It's not going to be the servant that lives in your house. He's going to be your own biological son that he's the one that's going to be there then he brought him outside and said look now toward heaven and count the stars and if you're able to number them and he said to him so shall your descendants be imagine the lord takes you out of your house and say you know what you don't trust me just come out of your house start counting the stars if you can count those stars then you can count how many promises i have lined up for you and you're going to be like are you kidding me that many so I can, you can't even start you'll get you just don't even want to try and he, and he tells him, you know what? I, I want you to understand that if you count those stars, that's how many promises I have. That's how your descendants will multiply and be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted to him for righteousness. What did he do? He believed. What did he do? He believed in the Lord. Maybe God is speaking to you through your devotional time. Do you believe in the Lord? It was accounted to him for righteousness. You know what that means? It made him right with God that he believed. Not that what his works were. Not that he actually went. Not that, not that he, what he was going to do later, the covenant of circumcision, the Jewish tradition and law that they would practice. It wasn't any of that that made him right with God. What it was accounted to him for righteousness is what that he believed. God, you promised me this? I believe that you're going to do this. It, it makes you right with God. Now let's flip the page now here, to, or the, the chapter here, the chapter 16 because you see that that promise was now, well, you see what Abraham does in, in, in chapter 16, he gets a little impatient. He says, Lord, you're really not going to give me that promise because in chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne no children still, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. You know what she tells Abram now? He says, Abram, you know what? There's no way. I'm not going to have a, there's, look how old we are. We're not going to have no kids. Just get my maidservant, go sleep with her, have a son, and you know what? Let's help God. Let's just help God. And Abram said, you know what? I'm just going to be an obedient husband, and I'm going to go sleep with your maidservant. No problem, honey. I'll do just like you said. Finally, Abraham wants to obey his wife out of nowhere, right? But Abram goes, and he does this foolish thing. He believed in God, but there was a moment of doubt. Have you ever believed in God, and there's a moment of doubt where you say, you know what? I don't know if God's really going to do this. It had been 10 years and he was waiting for a son. 10 years later, still no son. 
I promised you this Abraham chapter 12. I promised you this Abraham chapter 15. I told you to count the stars. Ten years later, still no son. Man, God, all right, God, ten, a decade later, I'm just going to sleep with my wife's servant then. And I'll have the son in my house. Ten years later, still no son. Why? He was impatient. He was impulsive. And you know what he does? He tries to inherit the promises of God. There's no point in trying to inherit promises. There's no shortcut to the promises of God. You know what we need to do? Those ten years, we need to learn to wait. Because they're worth waiting for the right promise of God. What do we see here? He steps on faith. He's learning all these things. Let's go to chapter 17 now. Because we're going to see how, how he now inherits by faith. For he steps out in faith. Now he's going to inherit by faith. What does this mean? That that promise was finally fulfilled and it was so worth it. There was no shortcuts to the promises of God. And I'll tell you, sometimes we want to choose second best and pretend that was God's promise for us. Please do not do that. Don't just settle for second best because you think that's the promise that God had for you. Genesis 17 verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, still no son. <laughs> man, this is, a, if, I were, man, if I were Abram, he's called the father of many nations. He's, he's, man, I would really be desperate at this point. 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am almighty God, almighty God. First Yahweh, then Adonai, now El Shaddai. I hope that you guys, does this make you excited, these names of God? I hope this makes you excited. You're knowing the names of your God. You know how to quote the name of the basketball player more than the name of your God. Yahweh, Adonai, El Shaddai, Almighty God. It says here now, I'm Almighty God. Walk before me. Look what he's telling you. I'm Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Lord, you're kidding me. 99 years old, you're still trying to make me walk before you blameless? Just because he had him waiting that long. Sometimes the Lord says, you know what, you're going to wait. And we say, you know what, I'm going to be disobedient to God. I'm going to be impulsive. I'm going to rush into this. You know what the Lord says? I'm going to give you the promise. First, I want you to walk before me and be blameless. Have integrity. How do you walk before the Lord? On your way to the promises of God. How do you walk before? Are you blameless where no one can, can raise any type of accusation? Are you blameless before God? And this is what happens next. And I, and I will make you my covenant. Be blameless and I will make my covenant between me and you. And will multiply you exceedingly. He, and think about what Abraham now is facing. He's saying, Abraham, I want you to walk before me blameless, Abraham. And I'm going to multiply you still. 99 years old. What do you think, Abraham? Everyone said, God, I'm done with this. You've been saying this forever. You're not going to, let's face it, I'm 99. There's no way. But let's read what happens. And Abram, as he heard this, he fell on his face and God talked with him saying, this is who, these are the kind of people that God wants to talk to. It says, God talked to him saying, and, 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 and Jose fell on the ground and God talked to him and Mary fell on the ground and God talked to him and, and John fell on the ground. And, 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 and Gavino fell on the ground and God talked to him. What does that say? God wants to talk to the people that are so willing to listen and surrender before the presence of God. He fell where? On his face. He was face down in humility and surrender and worship. And that's when God 
talk to him. God wants to talk to you. And he's so attracted to you, to talking to you in humility, to talking to you when you're face down in worship and in surrender. And you know what happens there when, he's ta- when he, he surrenders? Verse five, 4 and 5. He says, For as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Again, 99 years old. No longer shall your name be called Abram. He's changing his name. He's changing his identity. God wants to change that identity now. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Abram, that name Abram meant exalted father. Abram, exalted father. And you would think, that's a pretty good name. Exalted father. He's saying, Abram, you're about to graduate right now. How many of you guys know that the way to be graduated in the presence of God is to fall and humble yourself in the presence of God? You're going to go from exalted father to father of many nations. I'm going to change your identity. I'm going to give you a, a new identity. And he tells him, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Promises for your life. And I will make your nations, uh, make nations of you and kings shall come from your family. He goes on and he says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant. You know what he's saying? Generations and generations after you, the promise will still stand. What does this mean? This is a promise that will last through time. Write that down, please. A promise that will last through time to be your God and to you and your descendants after you. I promise you something that's going to last through time. My promise will not expire. Have you ever gone to something and, and try to see, you know, is this still good? And you, you look, man, you, you forgot to look at that expiration date and you took a drink and you spit that thing right out because it was expired. It was worth nothing. It tastes disgusting. The promises of God never expire. They last through time. Generation after generation after generation, that promise would still be valid and still be so alive. Alas, verse 8, I give you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, a land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. He's telling them, I am going to be their God. This is going to be a sign now, Abram. And God said to Abram, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, and you and your descendants after throughout their generation, you're going to maintain this covenant. You're my special people. And you know how you're going to define that? It's by this. You're going to define that by your obedience to this now. And it says, this is my covenant, verse 10, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants. After you, every male child among you shall be circumcised. This would define the Jewish nation. We knew that circumcision was a tradition of the Jewish law that God had given them, or the Jewish tradition that God gave Abraham. This is the covenant. I will multiply you. I'll make you a great nation. But in order for you to keep that covenant, you're going to define yourself. You're going to separate yourself by this type of circumcision or this type of separation, which was the cutting off of the male flesh or excess of flesh, as we know it. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And he who is eight years old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generation. He who is born in your house or bought with money from a foreigner who is not your descendant, he who is born in your house, verse 13, and was bought with your money, must be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. He's reminding you again, is there a son? Still, still no son. <laughs> still no son. Let's go to chapter 18. After he tells them about this covenant, after he tells them about circumcision. Now in, ver- in chapter 18, we see here, in verse 
1. And the Lord appeared to him again. There's constant fellowship with Abraham. By the tree of Mamre, and he was sitting in the tent of the door of the heat of the day. The Lord appeared. There's constant fellowship now. Constant fellowship. 99 years old. Still no son. Still no son. Still waiting. And it says, So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing with him. And he saw them, and he ran by the tent to meet them, and he bowed himself to the ground. He, saw, he sees these men. He bows himself. Now, we look, look, look at these messengers. It's believed that one of them was the angel of the Lord, of the Lord. And it says here, and He said, My Lord, I have now found favor in your sight. Do not pass on by your servant. He sees one as the Lord Himself. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree, and I will bring you a morsel of bread and to refresh your heart, it says. After you may pass by and as much as you have come to your servant, and they said, Do as you have said. He says, Please, let me wash your feet. Let me receive you. Let, let me be a servant to you. But let's skip down to verse 11 because now they're going to see, we're going to see here what's the condition of Abram and Sarah, his wife. Chapter 18, verse 11. Now Abram and Sarah were old advanced in age and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. It was past that time. There's no way she can have kids now. 99 years old still. God, are you kidding me still with that promise? You know, stop messing with me, God. And look what happens. Lord, are you really going to do that? You said you're going to do Are you really going to do that? God's saying, my promises are everlasting. They, they last through time. When I say something, I mean that. And he says, therefore, Sarah laughed with herself when she heard that God was promising that they were going to have an, a kid. She laughed at that. Me, have a child? No way. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Has God ever promised you something and you laughed? He said, no, there's no, there is no way. Well, Sarah said, there's no way because it's too late. It is never too late. It is never too late for God to show His promises in your life. It is never too late. Sarah was looking at the natural, her age, while Abraham was looking at the supernatural, his God. Are you looking at the natural today? It's getting too late. I'm getting too old. I, 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 time is running out. Whatever it is. And you're looking at the natural instead of looking at the supernatural. And she's saying, shall I, I bear a son if I'm old? Verse 14. And, and, and think about this. The Lord said to Abraham, why does Sarah laugh saying, shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? And the Lord says this, is anything too hard for the Lord? Maybe God's telling you today, is anything too hard for me? You think, anything's too, you think this is too hard for me? You know what faith does? It answers the question always that nothing is too hard for God. Those moments in your life when you're waiting on God and you thought this was impossible, remind yourself, is anything too hard for the Lord? The Lord will, there's no way He can do that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, read this, at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of of life and Sarah shall have a son at my time. He's reminding. This is the third time he reminds him, you're going to have a son. The third time and still no son. She was past the, the, the time. Isaiah chapter 9 tells us that, that God is a wonderful working counselor. That he does wonderful works. And we see here that at the appointed time, nothing is hard for the Lord. But are you willing to wait for that appointed time? 
Because it tells us this, she'll have a son, but Sarah denied it, saying, I have not laughed, for she was afraid that she had said this now, and she had laughed. She had ridiculed this. In chapter 21, we see that Isaac is actually born. The promise is born. At what time? Genesis 21. Let's read that really quickly. And the Lord visited Sarah, and he said, as he had said. Uh, put your name there next to Sarah's name. And the Lord visited you just as he said. Is anything too hard for God? No. Yeah, God, are you still having me waiting? Is anything too hard for me? He's, he wants to remind you today. And then the Lord visited Sarah just as he said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in her old age. At the set time, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. At the set time. At the set time. It is God's set time. And I, and I pray that you rather be in God's set time than in anyone else's time. It doesn't matter what timeline you have. It was at God's set time that this happened. She bore him a son. Just as the Lord had spoken and at the set time. Do you see how comforting the story is of Abraham? Just as the Lord has spoken at the same time. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Finally, he's tested in faith in chapter 22. He steps out in faith. He inherits the promise by faith. But now he's tested in faith. Chapter 22, now he has a son. He finally has a son. His son was born to him at 100 years of age. And God tests him. Let's finish tonight with this chapter, chapter 22, where we see what happens now as the Lord tests him. You know why the Lord tested him when he had one before he had a two? Because he wanted to see, what, what are you willing to do with that one that you have before I give you two? And then three. And then multiply them as the stars in the heavens. Before I make you a nation, I want to know if you love that one more than you love me. God will test you and say, do you love that more than you love me? For Abraham, the blessing that God gave him never became an idol. It never became a distraction. He was still more committed to God than he was to that one thing he waited for so long. So long he waited for, him, for the son. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. God will test you also after you inherit that promise. God will test you. God will test you to know if he can trust you with more. And it says this, Abraham. And he said, here I am. That's the, the attitude that we need to have. When God calls your name, say, here I am. He's going to test him and going to test his true character. Now let's see what he says here. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Now he reminds me, you only have one, and you love him very much. Now I, I, I'm, this hits home to me, because I only have one son, and I love him very much. And go to the land of Moriah. Moriah is a place where in the future, that's where the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem would be built. That's the place in where Jesus would eventually be die on the cross for our sins in Mount Moriah, Jerusalem. And it says, And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. What? You are you kidding me? You made me wait all that time. I left my family, my country, my father's house. I finally got one son. And you tell me to do what? Has the Lord ever told you to do something? To say, I, I want you to, that what you love? Give it to me. Give it to me. I want to see if you really love me. You might love that blessing. But do you love God more? 
He was saying, who do you love more? And it's interesting because sometimes God asks us for that. And he said, Lord, not this. Ask me for something else. And the Lord is almost saying, what else won't you do for me? What else won't you offer to me? You have to commend Abraham in verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled the donkey. It says, he took two of his young men and Isaac and his son, and he split the wood, the burnt offering, and it rose and he went to the place of which God had told him. Man, that, that's, that's character right there. All right, God. You told me to get out. You've never failed me. So he went out. And look what he does here. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here while the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife. And the two of them went together. Think about his son and what his son is doing, he's experiencing. Here comes his son now. His dad, and they're about to go offer. And Isaac had done this many times with his dad. There's something different here. There's a sacrifice. Something missing here. You know what Abraham learned to do? To put, make his family build an altar? Let his family be that sacrifice to God. Why is it that we want to offer God everything except our family? Why is it that Abraham said, I, I'm willingly going to put my family on the altar? I'm willingly going to go put my son at the altar. My son's not exempt from this. I will put him at the altar and offer him to God. Because it says this, but Isaac spoke to Abraham. His father said, my father. And Abraham said, here I am, son. And he said, look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamp for the burnt offering? He's saying, I'm missing something here. Abraham was an example to his son. Abraham was an example. You know what kind of example he was to his son? Of generational faith, of generational obedience, he was an example. He saw, he was learning his, you know, to trust. He was learning obedience. All of this from his father. What would happen if you took your son and said, you know what, son, come with me. We're going to go serve God. He was learning it from his father. And he said, and Abram said to my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. He was teaching him, God will provide. It's so important that we take our children along with us in this journey of faith and say, God's going to provide. You watch, son. He was passing down the legacy of faith. You know, God's going to provide a lamb for a sacrifice. That's amazing. In that same place, God later in the New Testament provided the last lamb for that sacrifice, which was the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, that took care of the sins of the world, your sin and my sin, in that very same place. Then they came to the place which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar, and he placed the wood in order, and he bound his Isaac, his son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. I, I, I don't want you to just read this and move on. I want you to pay attention and a picture, paint a picture of what Abraham was doing here. What would happen if God asked you to do that today? I want you to take that person you love so much. I want you to give them to me. Because I know you love me. But do you love them more? Who do you love more? He's testing him. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Think about what he's doing. He's slaying his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him and said from heaven and said, Abraham. And Abraham said, yeah, I am. Thank God the Lord showed up. <laughs> and do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything for him. For I know, I now know that you fear God 
since you have not withheld your son, your only son from him, you didn't withhold him, you gave him to him, so I know that you fear him, God. Your fear for God will also determine your faithfulness for God. Your fear for God, of God, will determine your faithfulness for God. A lot of times you say, you know what, I have very little faithfulness. You know what you, you correlate that to? Very little fear. Oh, I don't have to be faithful in ministry. I don't have to come today. Oh, I can just call out. Oh, I don't have to be here. Very little faithfulness equals very little fear. He had a lot of fear, so there was a lot of faithfulness. You see how that works? A lot of times we say, you know, I fear God so much, but our faithfulness stinks. You don't fear God at all. Your faithfulness sucks. <laughs> you don't fear God. But here, look what he says. The Lord provided it. Now, a sacrifice. And it says, as we continue reading this verse, and Abraham called the name of the place, verse 14, the Lord will provide. Another name for God, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. The Lord always provides. From Yahweh to Adonai to El Shaddai to Jehovah Jireh. God provides and He has the last word. You think about what happens here. As it is said to this day in Moriah of the Lord, it shall be provided. Why did the Lord spare him and then multiply Abraham so much? Because Abraham did not withhold anything. And maybe God is testing you today and He's saying, I want you to give this to me and then I'm going to bless you. Is there something that you're withholding from God that you're saying, Lord, take everything except this? Well, God is saying, I want you to give me that. I'm testing your faith. Give it to me. Put it on the altar. Put it on the altar. Let's go ahead and pray that God would give us the strength and the faith, not only to trust, but also to obey. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God. We ask, sir, that we would trust trust you in everything you tell us, but also that we would obey. I thank you, Lord, for everything you've done tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, that this would speak to us, that we would step out in faith, that we would inherit by faith. And Lord, also, that we would also, God, be tested in faith. We would pass the test and say, Lord, I don't want to withhold anything. I want to put it on the altar. In Jesus' name, and together we said,